podcast people. It's Junie and this is episode 30 of the Tata Cancer podcast and today we are going to be covering a topic that I just love which is fasting and how fasting can be a benefit to breast cancer patients in all stages of the journey. I'm a big fan of fasting. I have been doing intermittent fasting since 2016 uh, in so many different forms. We are going to mainly focus on the benefits it has for breast cancer treatment and specifically during chemotherapy. So it's going to be a great episode. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, just a little bit of updates on moi. Uh, Life is good, actually. Um, (laughs) Things were a little bit rough in the fall and uh, over the holidays for me. Just, you know, a lot of stuff going on in my personal life and, and I don't know, very busy, very busy, but things are chilling out. They are shifting. And I am reminded that the only constant in life is change. So when things are good, just remember, they'll change. And <laughs> when things are bad, definitely remember, things will change. So yeah, I um, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited for the coming months. I am, you know, just doing a lot. I'm uh, going to go roller skating tonight, which is one of my favorite things in the world. So that's exciting. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. What else to update you on? Um, dating, still. <laughs> and that's been fun and funny and challenging and very educational. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get into this episode. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Tata Cancer Podcast, where we will discuss the physical and mental elements of healing from a breast cancer diagnosis. My name is Junie Boucher. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a breast cancer survivor. When you're diagnosed with breast cancer, you're forced to make life-changing decisions with so much information that's really hard to sift through. My intention is to help provide you with the information you need to make a decision that's going to align your body, mind, and heart so that you can live your best life going forward. I'm gonna be your new breast friend. Okay, let's do this. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Please always consult with your doctor for any of your medical needs. And we're back. Um, Yeah, so fasting and breast cancer. Now, when I'm talking about fasting, let's just start there. Basically, what we're talking about is not eating. So it's not like just eating a little bit or only having soup. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about no food. Um, And we are talking about water fasting specifically. So basically just the consumption of zero calorie beverages. Water is the best. Clean water. You may be able to do tea. Tea would be great. Herbal tea especially just because you want to stay really hydrated during these processes. Black coffee sometimes, but ultimately when I talk about fasting, we're talking about 
what is known as water fasting. And there are many different forms of fasting. You may have heard the buzz around intermittent fasting, which is usually just a period of going without food. So a very popular intermittent fasting schedule is a 16-8 schedule. And that would be basically, so a 16-8 schedule, you would stop eating at 7 p.m. in the evening, and then you would not eat anything except for zero-calorie beverages until 11 a.m. the next morning. So essentially, you're pushing your breakfast back a couple hours or skipping breakfast, having an early lunch. There has been a ton of research regarding the benefits of intermittent fasting. It can help repair the gut. It can reduce inflammation. It will improve your insulin sensitivity. It supports healthy aging. Uh, It's really wonderful for overall health. Um, You can also utilize a less strenuous schedule, which 16-8 for if you give it a go for a while, your body really adjusts. It is surprisingly easy once you get used to it. And it allows your body to utilize fat for fuel as opposed to just sugar. Because most people who are on a standard American diet are fueled by sugar. And that's part of why you get crashes in your energy uh, because you're not metabolically flexible. Your body doesn't know how to switch over in the uh, use of fuel from sugar burning to fat burning. Uh, When you are in a fat burning state, you generate something called ketones, which are really, really healing. They uh, suppress your appetite. They're incredible for creating mental clarity and uh, just keeping balance in the body in general. They're fantastic. That's part of why the ketogenic diet has become so popular because it solves the problem of you know, being super duper hungry when you're trying to lose weight and uh, burning muscle instead of fat. There's so many different things. That's a different episode entirely. But fasting is another window into ketosis. And it just has a lot of health benefits to it. We are descendants of people who didn't have the modern conveniences of grocery stores. You know, in our hunter-gatherer days, we didn't always have food readily available. We had to go find it. So the body is used to going for periods of digestive rest. And frankly, a lot of people, myself included, feel that the body benefits and runs best when you are giving it these periodic breaks. So something to consider if you are going to play with fasting is a 13-hour fast. That's called a circadian fast. A 13-hour fast has a lot of research behind it regarding a benefit to breast cancer patients. And it can be extremely effective in helping reduce the reduction of recurrence. So consider that. I mean, if you start fasting for 13 hours and you stay with it for a couple weeks, you will see that it is a relatively effortless thing to do. So if you stopped, you finished dinner at 7.30, you would essentially not eat again until 8.30 a.m. the next morning. So basically just stop your late night snacking and you'll pretty easily get in 
a 13 hour circadian fast. And um, the latest stats on that are pretty impressive. The research showed that women who fasted for 13 hours or longer nightly had a 36% risk reduction in recurrence. So if you think about things like tamoxifen, uh, and especially, so especially if you're somebody who does not tolerate tamoxifen and you have gone off of that, fast for 13 hours at least. I mean, it is such an easy thing to do. And I, you know, obviously there's no guarantee that it's going to prevent your breast cancer from coming back, but it is one of the easiest interventions that you can do that adds an extra layer of risk reduction to your plan. Just love it. Love it, love it, love it. You can, um, I've played with so many different types of fasting protocols. I am currently doing some cyclical fasting. I just read Mindy, Dr. Mindy Peltz's new book called Fast Like a Girl, which is great because one of the things with fasting that can be a little bit tricky is for just acknowledging the hormonal effects of fasting. It can balance your hormones, but if you overdo it, it can stress you out too much because fasting creates a little bit of hormetic stress, which is the good kind of stress, eustress. That's the type of stress that helps the body get stronger, is beneficial. Uh, but, you know, in this incredibly overwhelming world, we have to be very careful. And women are especially and especially sensitive to stress when you are still cycling, uh, even in menopause. So just consider that. Um, yeah, but let's get into what I really want to talk about here is fasting and chemotherapy. So fasting has been studied as a potential way to improve chemotherapy outcomes. And basically, these short-term fasting protocols can improve the um, chemotherapy sensitivity in some of your cancer cells. It helps enhance the death of the cancer cells, and it can also reduce some of the chemotherapy-induced side effects. And it's also going to increase the levels of certain hormones, like your growth hormones, which may also be beneficial for increasing the efficacy of your chemotherapy. So another thing that fasting will do is it reduces inflammation and oxidative stress. And those really also help increase the effectiveness of chemotherapy. Uh, it resets the body's metabolism. And when that happens, it allows your body to better utilize the drugs that are used in chemotherapy treatment. So there's been a lot of research done on the benefits of fasting on chemotherapy. Obviously, we are still looking at things, but I think this is such a wonderful protocol. Discuss it with your doctor. We will talk later about who should not consider this type of protocol. Obviously, always run this stuff by your doctor, but I'm finding that more and more oncologists are open to this. And and if you do find that your doctor is resistant for some reason, obviously listen to what they have to say and make your decision based on medical advice and your own feelings. Because, you know, again, remember that you are part of your treatment team. You have autonomy over your own body, but please listen to your doctor and always run these things by them first. So I want to talk a little bit about what chemotherapy is so that we can understand why 
fasting helps. So chemotherapy, you know, obviously is a very powerful form of cancer treatment that use drugs to kill cancer cells. And it can be extremely effective, but it can also damage healthy cells. And fasting has been studied as a way to enhance these types of treatments because it's a way of creating a healing reaction in the body. Fasting has been around a long, long time. It can boost immunity, reduce inflammation, detoxify the body. And when the body is in a fasting state, it goes into a protective mode in which it begins to repair the cells. So chemotherapy damages not only the cancer cells, but your healthy cells. And when fasting is done, you basically activate, again, you activate this healing process uh, because you are able to take the focus away from digesting food. A lot of energy goes into digesting your food. And most of us are eating things that our bodies don't necessarily love. <laughs> so sometimes our bodies are detoxifying things, whether it's alcohol or some type of food that's causing a sensitivity or an autoimmune reaction. There's a lot of energy that has to go towards creating this homeostasis. So when you take away digestion and detoxification of these food pathogens or sensitivities, your body is able to really focus on repair, healing, all of these things. Fasting also helps your body better absorb the chemo drugs. And this may be a simple reason why to do it, period, but it can reduce the side effects like the nausea and fatigue. So you're, you're, when you're fasting, your digestive system is slowing down. It's allowing things to be more targeted, that allows fewer side effects, and it can fight those cancer cells more effectively. Are you sold yet? <laughs> I did not have to do chemotherapy, and a lot of women who have early stage hormonally driven cancer don't because it isn't necessarily beneficial. And I'm so happy that the Oncotype test exists for this reason because chemo is very hard on the body and in my humble opinion and with my clients if you do have to undertake it please consider this because this is going to help you bounce back um target the therapy suffer less and you know be able to get back to your stronger self again, you know, repair and heal from what is inevitably a very hard thing. So I I understand that there's probably some fear around fasting. People what people don't really understand is that we don't need nearly as much food as we think we need. We have been taught that we have to keep our blood sugar stable all the time, which we do, but we don't need to do that by constantly eating. And in fact, a lot of people are keeping their own blood sugar unstable because they're doing that. So when you teach your body to utilize 
other forms of fuel and go into a healing state, things just run better. So consider this as a protocol. Now, the most researched protocol for fasting during chemotherapy, again, I am not giving you the specific advice, run this by your doctor, but in terms of what is has been studied, the would be within the first four cycles of chemo, you would follow a modified fasting regimen of 60 to 72 hours. With breast cancer patients, um, the fasting period would typically start 36 to 48 hours before you go into your chemotherapy cycle. So that would be like starting at 6 p.m., two days before you receive chemotherapy, not eating anything, staying hydrated. And then you would continue fasting 24 hours after the treatment cycle or treatment was completed. That is not necessarily an easy feat. One of the things that people do experience, especially with breast cancer, chemo is, you know, you're often given a steroid injection as well. That can create hunger. But if you consider all the benefits and you stay focused on that, you, this is just such a wonderful intervention to do. Also, one of the ways to help with hunger is to train your body to go into a state of ketosis as well prior to having to do these longer fasts. You can practice the intermittent fasting protocols, like a 13-hour protocol, 16 or 18-hour. And also, if you eat a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet, a ketogenic diet, which is wonderful for cancer their cancer patients for the most part. I mean, I again will talk about who shouldn't necessarily do this, but um you can really eat a wonderfully nutrient dense diet. And I'm not talking about the typical ketogenic like go to in and out and get a uh I don't know what do you call it, protein style burger for every meal and eat, you know, really crappy mayonnaise on subpar beef. That's not what we want to do. <laughs> we want to be eating lots of vegetables, high fiber, wonderfully good fats, avocado, olive oil, coconut oil, ghee. I talk about this all the time. Wonderful forms of protein, high quality proteins, but just keeping those carbohydrates low so that your body knows how to go into a fat burning state really, really helps with hunger. You might not even be hungry though after chemo if you do get nausea. So, just uh, so that might make it a little bit easier. Now, let's talk about who shouldn't consider this type of supportive therapy. So if you are already going through a lot of stress physically with your treatments, your body is just not really doing well with things and you're experiencing a lot of other issues, you might want to not consider adding this on just because piling on stress to something that is already just really taking your body for a ride, might not be the best decision for you. If you, you do need to be very conscious of the potential for 
not getting the nutrients that you need. So doing a lot of fasting around a surgical procedure may not be a great idea. I mean, it can fasting can help repair the body. So there are benefits to that. But you also want to make sure that you're getting a super nutrient-dense diet. So if you're fasting too much around surgery or something like that, or you're underweight, this is probably not a, an intervention that you want to consider because keeping some weight on is important. Now, a lot of us have some weight to lose. So, you know, not that cancer, especially breast cancer, um, is should be considered a weight loss thing, which a lot of women I talk to, including myself, when you get diagnosed with cancer, we have this this very twisted thought, ooh, I might lose weight. Um, yeah, which isn't it is a thing that I'm incredibly shameful to admit that I thought in my head. <laughs> Am I going to get sickly thin? Ooh. Like, and I was immediately like repulsed by that thought. But, you know, we live in a culture that really values being skinny. So most women who undergo chemotherapy and breast cancer treatment gain weight. Keeping your weight at a good place is important for risk reduction and prevention of recurrence. But you got to do it a healthy way. If you are underweight, uh, if you are in a state where you you really need a lot of nutrients, either really ump the nutrient density of your diet when you are in your eating windows, but also don't do it if you are, um, yeah, just at risk of cachexia um, and malnourishment because you definitely need nutrients to heal. You do have an increased risk of dehydration with fasting protocols during chemotherapy. So you really need to make sure that you're getting in water. I highly recommend the addition of electrolytes. That can sometimes be as simple as just adding some really high quality salt, maybe a little bit of lemon to your, a squeeze of lemon to your water. Utilizing electrolyte supplements like LMNT, the unflavored one, that's a great one that doesn't have any potential spike to your blood sugar, which would potentially bring down the effects of the fasting benefits. But you need to stay hydrated. So consider electrolyte supplementation during fasting periods. Um, And in general, if you're fasting, you shouldn't do it I mean, likely if you're going through chemotherapy, you are not pregnant or nursing, but if you're doing this during a recurrence prevention protocol after treatment and you're playing with fasting, if you're pregnant or nursing, do not fast. If you are underweight, do not fast. If you have a history of eating disorders, do not fast. Um, These are all really, really basic ideas regarding who should and shouldn't fast. So I'm just hitting on some of the main points here. But yeah, I mean, that's the gist of it. You know, there are books written on this. There's a lot of information out there. Luckily, doctors are getting much more savvy about the benefits of this. And um, yeah, I just highly recommend considering it if you are going through the process 
And uh, I have found in my own personal fasting journey, so I guess we could talk about that a little bit now. I, before I even had cancer, I started getting interested in fasting. I've been playing with fasting since I was in college. I did a four-day water fast during a vision quest (laughs) when I was on like a backpacking quarter and I feel like I could not sound more Californian right now. Um, And that was a really interesting experience just to go without food. It was very powerful. It was interesting. I learned a lot. Uh, Then I started playing with intermittent fasting. I started with a 16-8 protocol as well as combining that with a ketogenic diet, noticed incredible mental clarity, mood stabilization, and uh, not a lot of weight loss at that point. But once I played with alternate day fasting, that is where you basically have one day of eating and one day of, one full day of fasting. That I did notice quite a bit of weight loss or not quite a bit, but I mean, a sig- significant weight loss. Uh, it's obviously more challenging for pretty clear reasons. But uh, again, a lot of mental clarity. I also did a very long prolonged fast because I like to try things out and can be a bit of an extreme personality. I wanted to do a 21-day water fast. So I did that once I had gotten fat adapted that was a trip, um, and I I didn't end up doing the full 21 days, but I did do 17 days, and I think about that now. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. So I did 17 days. I ended up quitting that a little bit early because, and I think what it was, even though I was supplementing with electrolytes, was that I just felt I just felt off. Um, That's something to remember with fasting. And I think it was an electrolyte balance thing. If you are feeling, you know, ill, lightheaded, you know, break a fast. There's no point in, I mean, there will be some discomfort likely and some hunger. But if you are feeling like nauseous, you are having really low blood pressure or, um, you know, just just issues. Never feel bad about breaking a fast. Be honest with yourself about why you're breaking the fast, but, you know, don't feel bad about it. There's no point in beating yourself up for that. So again, now I'm playing with this. I took some time off of fasting too, and now I'm playing with these fasting cycles And I love that because it's acknowledging the hormonal fluctuations of a woman's monthly cycle. And there are some times of the month when your body is really, really more excited about bringing your insulin levels down. Uh, Those are, we'll talk about this in a different episode. And then there are other times of your cycle when your body really needs the most minimum amount of stress possible and needs a few more carbohydrates and calories and doesn't do quite as well on ketones and fat burning. So think about, I don't know, think about playing around with it. It's been, yeah, I just feel so much better when I do. And 
because I'm not on tamoxifen, it is one thing that I have added to my risk reduction plan that I really love and love to have clients work with too. Lots of good information out there. But yeah, I think that's about it for today's episode. I'm trying to keep these episodes a little bit shorter when I'm doing the solo episodes. But yeah, I'll be back in two weeks. (laughs) Uh, Check out my website if you want to discuss how to get on a ketogenic diet uh, that benefits treatment, you know, because these are things that when you do customize your protocols can really be therapeutic and can help in all stages of the breast cancer journey. And we, I, I work with clients to create a fasting protocol for them that works with their lifestyle, how to ease in, how to make it easier on yourself and really get it to a place where it feels pretty darn effortless. If you are interested in something like that, reach out to me on my website or email me at junie at juniebewell.com. My website is juniebewell.com. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Sign up for my email newsletter on my website. Look at all my free resources for breast cancer patients and for uh, general hormone balance. Follow me on social media at Junie Be Well on Instagram and Facebook. And stay tuned because I've got some new fun stuff coming out this next year that I'm very excited about. And uh, I always love to hear from you folks makes my day. If you have an episode idea, let me know. If you are liking the podcast, please, please, please do me a huge favor and leave a review. A five-star review is awesome if you feel that in your heart. (laughs) And uh, tell your friends about it because people can use this information. It can help. And I hope this episode helped you. So I will be back in a couple weeks and we will talk about more fun stuff. Alrighty, as always, I'm wishing you well. Take care. <laughs>